Blessings, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Superpowers of the Soul. This is Amorakai, and I am so happy to be here with you all today, talking with our wonderful guest, Nadim Saad, about the Happy Confident Movement. Nadim is a father of three, a best-selling author, parenting expert, and education thought leader. He's the founder and chief happiness officer of the Happy Confident Company. Nadim has worked with renowned therapists and teachers, drawing from the latest research in child psychology and neuroscience to develop a program that's already changed the lives of over 100,000 families. The Happy Confident Movement is a growing group of teachers, experts, schools, children, and organizations who all share the same vision, a world where every child knows, loves, and accepts themselves fully. They know that their strengths are for sharing, their weaknesses fantastic challenges to rise to with optimism. Nadim is just an exceptional being. He is so heartfelt, absolutely brilliant at what he does, and I find his movement absolutely inspired. And it fills me with such hope and joy. I suspect that you will find it much the same. I am so excited to have him on with us today. So let's welcome him to the show. Nadim, it's so good to have you here, honey. Welcome. Hello, Amor. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for your kind words. Um, mm. I'm hoping that we're going to be able to give the audience a few uh, good tips and, and ideas that they can take back home and really start applying mm. and, and really connect with. Oh, thank you for that. Yes, please. That's what I love about you. It is boots on the ground, practical. What can we do right now today? And you're making this so accessible in all the places where it's going to make such a difference. I'm truly fascinated by all you're up to in the world. And I'm so excited to delve into it all with you today. Let me start us off by just asking you our favorite opening question around here. Honey, what would you say are your superpowers of the soul? I mean, how are you using them for good in your life right now? Wow, I wasn't <laughs> expecting that one. Okay, <laughs> my super, my actually, I'm discovering that my compassion, my vulnerability, are my superpowers of the soul, and I were, I was completely cut off from these for so many for decades, mm. and so I'm I'm just in the last few years really connecting with them and that's what's also infused a lot of uh what the program is about is actually helping children not let go of these superpowers that they, that they all have we all have them but it's so easy to disconnect from them um because we just you know well one of the reasons and we'll talk about this in more detail is the education system which is so <laughs> left right and 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 so based on becoming rather than being yes um so yes so my superpowers are really that um Strong intuition and and a lot and energy work. Um, I've done. I've been actually really focusing a lot more on energy work recently. So I've got that mix of intuition mm. energy. I think that's yeah, that's my super and my and my happiness and confidence. Actually, I must admit that the, the, I asked when I created the company. I asked around me. So what do you think? Happy, confident. What does it make you think? And people would say, "Oh, it makes me think about you." I was like, "Okay, great. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great. It's a great name for a company." <laughs> Oh, honey, that is fantastic. You know, I especially love what you're pointing to there that 
that compassion, that empathy, that vulnerability, those intuitive gifts, how often do they get forgotten, suppressed, dumbed down? Do we get disconnected from them? And I love so much about what you're up to. But one of the things is that you're preventing that. You're really seeking to help prevent all of that. So, oh my gosh, I could go so far, so fast with you right now, but we've got a short break coming up. So I'm going to pause myself. (laughs) We're going to go ahead, take our short break now so we can just roll right into all the goodness of the happy, confident movement when we get back and, and give those tools and tips that you're so great. You're so great at providing for people. Just before we break, Tell us, where is the best place for people to go connect with you and find out more about all the goodness you're up to in the world? Oh, it's at, they can go to happyconfident.com. It's just www.happyconfident.com. Simple as that. Excellent. And they can okay. find all the resources. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Okay. We'll make sure that's linked for you in the show page, everyone. Please go there, look it up, get all the resources you need. There's so much available for you there. All right, everyone, you are listening to Superpowers of the Soul here on the Superpower Network, and we will be right back to get deep into the happy, confident movement with Nadim Saad in just a moment. Stay tuned. You will not want to miss this one. Hello, everyone. I'm Tonya Don Reckla, Director of Superpower Experts. If you're ready to activate your superpowers and turn your lifetime journey into the journey of a lifetime, go to superpowerexperts.com and get started today. Welcome back, everyone. This is Amorakai. And if you're just tuning in, today we are talking with Nadim Saad about the Happy Confident Movement. And I am so curious to get into the origin story of all of this with you. But first, for listeners who haven't heard of it yet, just in a nutshell, what is the Happy Confident Movement? So um, I built the Happy Confident Movement as a Realizing I came from the world of parenting initially, so um, writing books about parenting and helping and then helping parents basically really tune in to their kids and become more conscious parents. But mm-hmm. I realized that it was not always easy to get the parents to change. And they, you know, it requires quite a bit of work to become a more conscious parent. And that by helping children as well and giving them the tools um, to better know themselves, and to better relate with themselves so they can better relate with others and mm-hmm. actually completely transform the relationship. And when you add schools to this and teachers, um, so really bringing a whole complete holistic and systemic approach to this, then the whole, everything changes, you know, because everyone's speaking the same language, understand themselves better, and it really helps, um, you know, that. And so that's what the Happy Company Movement is about, is really bringing all of um, these different parties that are, you know, constantly relating to relate mm. to themselves better and therefore relate um, better across the board. And it's, it's life-changing because we're seeing that uh, the systemic change really makes a huge difference in, in communities where it's mm. implemented. Oh, my goodness. It, um, <laughs> you know, it, it's so funny. It reminds me of this triangle, you know, teachers, parents, and kids, and the intersection of that. And it's so positive. Um 
it reminds me of the Kaufman triangle where yes. people, yes. right? It's the opposite. So it's almost like the answer is for those of you who don't know, uh, sufferers from abuse can often fall into repeating patterns of enabling, um, staying a victim or becoming the abusers. And it's known as the Kaufman triangle and this, <laughs> Oh, the prevention. Oh my goodness. The solution, getting this holistic practice in place where all these pieces that are constantly um, yeah, in communication and connection with each other and interweaving in their lives. How powerful, how powerful. Okay. Brilliant. So you started writing books. You started, were you coaching as a parent coach? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Coach. Okay. I, I actually ended up coaching a lot of uh, companies and a lot, going a lot in corporates because um, one of my discoveries when I became interested in parenting was the parallels between leadership and parenting. Now realize yes. that actually it's the same science, yes. uh, and and the science of leadership is a lot more advanced because it's a lot easier to do research and and you know control groups on on adults and on in leadership than it is with kid with with parents and kids. Yes. So uh, I realized that we could if we could apply the science of leadership at home, we could, really could um, help a lot, and that's why I wrote a, a book about this, mm. um, and and so it helped a lot of people who you know take these skills that they're learning in the workplace in the corporate world and actually apply them at home mm. to oh. more accessible. Oh my goodness. I feel like you are a brother. <laughs> Just a soul brother. <laughs> Same, Same mission. Same mission. Oh fantastic. That's a, a really fascinating way to look at it and so so true. Um family leadership is not discussed very much and certainly not in the same way and you bridging those worlds is absolutely brilliant i love this okay so the happy confident movement parent coaching i like i'm really into origin stories what got you started uh, well so i've what got several interest? origin stories but i'm yeah. gonna i'm gonna tell you more i think let's focus on the origin story of the happy confident company because uh, the first one is the first one is actually disagreement on how to parent with my wife. <laughs> that was the origin story of becoming of going yes. to the corporate world, <laughs> to the entrepreneurship world, to the to parenting was that we just couldn't agree. So we ended up having to research, having to understand. So who's right? Unfortunately, yeah. we needed to know, and so we discovered that neither of us is right. We discovered that actually I was too authoritarian, she was too permissive, yeah. and that the best way to parent, the conscious parenting way is really to be kind and firm and yeah. to understand you know to be um much more led by children at the same time be very clear have have the clear boundaries so that children feel safe actually because when there are boundaries but so the original story then of, of after um five six years of parenting mm-hmm. uh, what made me transition to the happy company company and realize that it's so important for kids to also learn these techniques was my daughter went through a tough time and she was starting to be really, and she's the, she was the most positive. She was eight at the time. Yasmin was like bubbly, positive. And she started hitting her sisters, being quite mean and harsh with us and defiant and like, wow, mm-hmm. something's happening. And so I, I coached her. Mm-hmm. Well, I was already a, obviously a parenting coach. And I said, wow, it, in my household, this happens. It's obviously, it, can, it happens every, in any household. And then, what came out of this coaching was that she ended up admitting that she hated herself. Oh, and that yeah. was so difficult to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, even more for, you know, in a household where we were two parenting coaches. Mm-hmm. And so, but getting to the bottom of it, um, 
she actually, so we coached her out of it and she ended up going, oh, I'm a fallible human being. I'm a fallible human being. You know, working around the house, just going, I'm a fallible human being. So she really got it that it wasn't her behavior was not determining who she was. And the, the reason she hated herself was actually because, partly because she felt average because her friends, one was a great ballerina, the other one was a great gymnast and she felt average. And the other thing was that she started, you know, just going through a tough time and then thinking that her behavior, you know, meant that she wasn't a good person because she she was she was just getting angry and we weren't relating to her anger. We were telling her to calm down and you know what the, the cycle um, mm-hmm. that, that typically goes in a lot of families. And so that was the huge aha moment for me because I first asked the school if they noticed anything. And she said, oh no, they're, she's still her bubbly self. So I thought, wow. So the school mm-hmm. can't notice anything. Most parents, if they're not parenting coaches, they might not get to that the bottom of this behavior and and getting the the child to actually really realize that that what's happening is that they're just hurting and therefore starting behaving in a negative way. In a lot of other families, unfortunately, um, she would have been punished and then she would have not basically uh, she would have reproduced that. And at, at twelve, thirteen, she could have potentially self harmed because she would have lived with that idea that actually she's not a good person, she's not good enough. So that's what we're seeing a lot more of, unfortunately, currently, particularly that it's become so difficult because, you know, children, as we know, children are much more sensitive than we are. Let's be, and they, we often block our sensitivity. And then with aid, we realize, oh, my God, I want to get back to this. But so they're hypersensitive, well, at least quite sensitive beings. Other, some are more sensitive than others. And with the, in this day and age, what's happening is, so you've got wars, you've got, they've got access to information that no one else, I mean, we would have never gotten access to before. And so they, they and we're all living a bit heightened anxiety because of, of you know, challenges, because of the news, which is accessible all the time. Mm-hmm. And so they're living in a space where they feel powerless because they can't, you know, they don't know how to, you know, if they're here, there's a war. They can't do nothing. There's a shooting, you know, so many shootings in the U.S. But mm-hmm. they can't do anything about it. So this feeling of powerlessness towards these bigger events creates so much anxiety. There's latent anxiety in the system. And the worst thing about this is that instead of processing the anxiety, as maybe at least acknowledging it, processing it, most of the time, again, I'm generalizing here, but because obviously, thankfully, I'm sure there are a lot of people listening to us who are doing all the right things and helping to share and process feelings. But I'm, I'm, I'm just talking in general that if they, what, because there are so many devices that are ubiquitous, so basically they're not getting the time to process the feelings. So they go from anxiety and then, so they switch off, disconnect thanks to the devices. But then this, this anxiety didn't really leave, you know, they didn't process it. So it actually stays there. And so the, so the, and they don't have a lot of time to rest and to process this. Therefore, we're just reproducing them. So uh, we're seeing this increase in, you know, ADHD, in anxiety, in so many mental health challenges. And we're creating, actually creating this without even realizing. And that's why, so I want, so one of the part of the Happy Coffee Movement is to really raise this awareness that we can't continue having schools that don't deal with stuff and, and, and parents who are not even aware of what they can do. So it's, so important to have the tools to give the children the toolbox to really mm-hmm. better connect with themselves, better understand what's happening to them, to process their feeling, understand, label them, so that they then can really 
once they better relate with themselves, they can also better relate with others because they're not going to lash out. They're not going to, you know, express these feelings in a way where they don't even understand because when they don't understand what's happening to them, that's where the behavior gets bad, but then they feel bad about themselves. Often they get punished, but they don't, people don't, I mean, for example, when you deal with incidents of bullying in schools, it's often dealt with in the worst manner because it's a lot about shaming the child who was a bully without bringing the psychology into the system that actually the bully is the one hurting and so they need to be addressed and then the whole situation can change. So in a nutshell, it's bringing more psychology, more hard intelligence into this whole system, both at the, the school uh, and as well as the parents end, so that the, everyone then, the children, can obviously better process all of this and, and, and have a toolbox to face any life challenge. Mm. Yes, please. Oh, my goodness. I feel like a choir should be singing. Okay. So... <laughs> so important <laughs> so important uh and it's time like isn't it time i just feel like it's time and certainly yes. if not now then when i mean now is the time absolutely so let's talk about some of those tools that you mentioned i know you've uh, you've worked with therapists and teachers you've really delved into into the latest research the psychology the neuroscience you've developed this program that's helped so many people tell us a little bit about the tools without giving the whole thing away yeah, oh, well, you could get me speaking for hours. You know, you know, know. that. You know, I know. <laughs> so let me try and summarize because I was asked recently. I was asked, you know, what are the you know three top things that you would you mm. say are, would be the most important? I would say number one. I already start explaining is the feeling, um, the foundation of understanding that all feelings are okay and that they're just messengers, information. And that we can let go of them because obviously, I, I actually a lot of people are not aware. So I'm going to share this: the 90 second rule. It actually, neuroscience shows that a feeling, a strong feeling, is only acting for about 90 seconds in the in the in the, in the body. So that goes from the hormonal release. For example, if it's anxiety, it's going to be cortisol that's released. And but so that can be released and get rid of for 90 after 90 seconds. But what happens is we re-trigger it regularly and so instead of 90 seconds we can go into depression and this lasts for for well, hours and 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 days and and weeks etc because we're re-triggering the system so it's really important for kids to realize that feelings are impermanent but that all feelings are okay and that's how i learned really late in life because i was happy and confident but i realized only a few years ago that I needed to feel all my feelings, not just the ones of happiness. Yeah. That that it's really important to actually access to, because the intuition, our intuition is very. You can't access it if you're not completely in sync and you're just constantly getting you know your feelings under the rug basically. Mm. Um, so 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 it's really that that aspect of emotional intelligence and emotional basically of labeling feelings because when you label a feeling, it reduces the intensity of the feeling in the brain. And so you feel a lot more in control. So giving this granularity of the vocabulary of the feelings to kids is super important because Brené Brown actually showed recently doing a lot of research on emotions that on average as adults, we only use three feelings, happy, yeah. sad, mad. mad or angry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and so that's not very helpful because the problem is it's way too general. And so we're teaching kids to understand, oh, am I angry or am I irritated or am mm -hmm. I annoyed or am I... You know, what's what's the level of, of intensity? Or maybe I'm thinking I'm angry, but actually 
this anger came from being embarrassed and so I or, or or powerless and that brought me to my anger so anger is often a secondary feeling so how can I identify the origin of the behavior which is uh, well uh, it's, it's a different feeling and that's why we have feeling cards and 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 we teach a hundred feelings in in schools so that children are really equipped with all this vocabulary and understand that that this is the way to shift and they have to feel it and then shift it. So again, 90 seconds, but first feel it, because if you shift it or just get under the rug, just not going to work because actually you reduce your, it, the brain stays active wanting to suppress the feeling. So actually we reduce our mental capacity by just yeah. suppressing our feeling. It's true. So, so that's, that's big number one. So real feelings is, 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 um, asking, mm-hmm. accepting them and, 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 so coming, not using the, the screens as pacifiers for our feelings, because it's so common now. You see young, yeah. smaller kids who are just going through a tantrum or through different feelings. And, that well, we use the pacifier. Here's the iPad. Mm-hmm. Here's the phone. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the problem with this is we're teaching them that this is the pacifier for their feelings, and this is what's going to make them feel better. And actually, then they start going to social media when they get older. And guess what? It makes them kind of feel good at the beginning. But then very quickly, they start seeing lots of people who are obviously doing great things or, and then, um, actually they don't feel so good anymore because they feel, oh, my, my life's true, you know, really <laughs> not, not, um, not so great. So anyway, so really that, that feeling the feelings and then, uh, managing to, 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 to control them the better is, is, is super important. So that's big number one. Um, the sec- second, I would say is really, uh, remember to empower children to find the solution to their problems because we we often forget that. Um, and so we're, I mean, um, so it's children need to develop their frustration and disappointment muscles. So even with the, and that's the kind of what they call sometimes conscious parents can be so good at so many things, but sometimes they forget that the, that the part of developing the frustration and disappointment is super important because if they, we want our children to be resilient and particularly emotionally resilient, well, it's not going to work if we're constantly, so I'm saying conscious parents who are not giving the screen, for example, to, to get their <laughs> children to, to, to change it, but who will just want to save them because it's, it is, you know, we can, particularly when our children are younger, it's, it's easy to save them and to just get them to feel better, faster. But, but they need to actually feel that and to process it by themselves so that they learn it's a muscle, it's neuroplasticity, you know, it's this, this uh, understanding of that the brain actually is constantly evolving and then we could, can create neural pathways. So to become stronger and more resilient, we need to develop these neural pathways of becoming, of being disappointed and being able to get over our disappointment. Otherwise, we arrive at university or, you know, a teen, particularly teens, are it's full of disappointment. Obviously, they're going to get the first, you know, um crushed that you know and not that things don't work out they're going to get so so many things are going to go wrong and actually so although with a happy confident movement a very important aspect is happy confidence actually we have a natural state of happiness and confidence when we're when we're young when we're, we're kids we're young kids but quickly this gets eroded 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 so we're teaching the kids the tools to get back to this happiness and confidence mm. and one of them is actually sometimes let them struggle a bit 
and show them that we're there for them. So it's not letting our children know, <laughs> but we're, we're there for them, but we're going to yeah. let them struggle. And we're going to always ask them, what can you do about this? You know, what, what is it? Because then they, they start looking for solutions. For example, one of the exercises we do when they're feeling bad is your, what you're feeling. And we put a set of cards and they choose lots of difficult feelings. And then what do you want to feel? And then they put lots of things, you know, positive things. I want to feel motivated and excited and, and actually loved. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And then we, we ask the children, so what are you going to do to f- go from what you're feeling now to what you want to feel? And that's where the strategy developed. And that's where you have to uh, really get the children to answer and not just always give them the solutions. Because then they learn. And the next time they go through a difficult feeling, they know, oh, I remember last time I did that. And, and, and you empower them to really shift the feelings and have the, the strategies to shift them. Mm. I yeah, love this so much. Yeah, I, I know you have another one, but I just have to say this reminds me so much of that old butterfly story and the boy, you know, the boy finds the butterfly in the cocoon and he's so excited. He takes the cocoon home to watch the butterfly start poking yes, full out yes. of it, right? That yeah, I love it. Yeah. And for those of you that don't know the story, this yeah, butterfly is trying to emerge and the hole gets bigger and the boy is very excited, but then <clears throat> it takes a little too long and nothing seems to be happening. So the beautiful boy, so well-intentioned out of love gets scissors and cuts that hole open for that butterfly. But instead of flying away, that butterfly limps with these horrible wings that don't work along the ground destined never to fly. And that struggle of getting through that hole was actually part of its development process. And it was known as getting blood in the wings so that they would be strong enough to fly. And when we interrupt that process, even when it's so well-intentioned, mm. right, we unintentionally stop what we most want for those butterflies, for those children. And so by holding the container and just putting that cocoon in a safe space for it to honor that struggle and get the blood in the wings that it needs, um, that's what I really hear you saying. And it's beautiful, really important. Thanks for thanks for sharing this this story. It's, it's so beautiful. And it's, it, yeah, it really, really hits home of, of the, um, of letting, being the container is exactly what you said. So important. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's the third is the connection actually and keeping the connection at all times. And that's yeah. something that I had to learn uh, because I, I mean, as an authoritarian parent, I didn't realize that connection was was the key to everything in the end. And so it's the, um, so it's a mindset shift for me to keep the connection. Uh, that yeah. that's what really helped me a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's realizing that we're all doing the best we can in every moment. Yeah. And so, but that will depend on our level of training of our level of trauma you know i mean our level of of, of what what so when, when i explain to 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 people even like a murder actually at the end of the day are really because we're built as human beings to do the best we can for ourselves for where we are at this mm-hmm. moment in the world in our level of consciousness and level of development and so even a murder actually is thinking that they're doing the best they can for themselves unfortunately so the, yeah. the, with our, our the key is actually to our journey is to become the best version of ourselves Mm-hmm. So, so, but, but at this moment in time, particularly for younger kids, they are at this level, and they have to feel that they're good at this level. So, my daughter, at the eight-year-old, for example, had to feel that she was good enough, even if she was average, that she's doing the best she can, and that yeah. me accepting this and helping mm-hmm. her then train to to be the best version of herself. So, we're mm-hmm. in this container that you just mentioned that we're here to really guide our children to become the best version of themselves, and in do, for, but to do that. We need to keep the connection. 
because other, the kids really it's on this connection that they thrive it's it's this this love and this understanding and so i lacked empathy with my kids because i thought i, I would tell them you know i can't believe you did that again but what what is what message does this sound to you know send to kids it sends them message that they're not good that they're not you know they they should be different and so i learned through a lot of therapy that actually this is what screwed me up well i by the way i was one of these parents who used to say well, I turned out okay, so why would I change the parent? That's what I. That's what I <laughs> Every client I've ever had, yeah, yeah. that is in a, that dynamic. <laughs> yeah. I'm fine. The thing is, yeah. I'm fine until you discover that. Well, even if you've been happy and confident most of your life, actually, yeah. the past, you know, I didn't. I, there's so many things I I didn't uh, access, and so mm-hmm. so this connection and the tools are very much about regular I, I recommend family meetings regular um kind of you know get togethers where everyone gets to speak and express their needs because when kids realize that they can't express their needs yeah it's so transformational for them because they they feel that they're part of something again their needs i mean I just imagine it in authoritarian parents it's certainly not oh i just want to rule the world i want to go to disneyland and that's all i'm interested in. no we're talking about really vulnerable sharing Mm-hmm. where the parents also get to share what they experience etc and that that really creates this beautiful container um for for you know for beautiful conversations and so that's where we advocate you know kind of use feel it cards for example to 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 really share feelings or use affirmation cards to really what we want to focus on that's more positive use appreciation exercise that's the most beautiful thing once mm-hmm. in every week two or three even if once a month or at some point just do this appreciation where Oh, I appreciate you for this, this, and that. And the kids yeah. just love it. And they, you know, and 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 parents love it too, by the way. And, and uh-huh. particularly when their kids become teens. Yes. And that they don't want to do that anymore. But <laughs> but if they trained to do it before, they actually yeah. will still do it. And it's so beautiful because you get and so what this does is rewire the brain for more positivity, for looking for the for the appreciation for the positive rather than the our, our judgmental self. Yeah. So so that's that this connection is, is super important. Mm. But you know, I've I, got a whole. I mean, I've got thirty, thirty-three tools. So, so this is just the three, the ones that I realized are the fundamentals: the the mindset shift, yeah. the, you know, the the staying connected, the the, the accepting the feelings and 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 shifting mm-hmm. the feelings, and and that uh, still allowing our children to not the word is not suffer, but to 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 sometimes basically develop that, as you beautifully um, said with this example of be able to fly um, mm-hmm. on their own without us mm-hmm. to always being here. Yeah. Honoring that struggle, getting the blood in those wings mm-hmm. so that they are strong enough to fly and struggle doesn't, doesn't mean suffer. I agree with you there wholeheartedly and creating the container. So it's not a container of suffering, but it is a container of resilience and honoring the struggle and encouragement and all of those things that you're, you're making so accessible to everybody is so important. And I know you know, we're not we're not diving right into the parent coaching necessarily, but I do have to speak to this dynamic. The the authoritarian parent married to the permissive parent is so common. It's so yeah. common. It's amazing yeah. to me. And I really appreciate, I think there's been, you know, a lot coming out around the the dominant parenting and permissive parenting and finding that middle road and that conscious parenting path, what family leadership is really all about. And I really appreciate you speaking to the authoritarian part and the missing piece being connection. And I feel like in, in some ways, 
you know, it gets really confused. Like if I'm the parent, I'm not supposed to show feelings. I have to be strong. Uh, my kids need to respect me, which I get by actually making them fear me. But I'll take that as respect as long as they do what I say in the moment. I'm fine. It worked. I were I turned out fine. That's what my parents did. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. there's there's all there's almost a dehumanizing that unintentionally goes on. And when parents get to be human with their children in these shared ways that you're suggesting. Oh, the connection that happens, not just in the moment when you're raising that child, but in my experience over the lifetime that you get to have with that child, there's a lifetime here beyond these really intense parenting years. Would you agree? It's totally. And uh, and it takes, so in my case, it, it has been, it's taken a few years to actually recover from that authoritarian mm-hmm. parenting not just for myself but in yeah. terms of my relationship with my kids and mm-hmm. and it's really great that you say that for more authoritarian parents who would be listening to us that it is not at all going then becoming the you know sharing vulnerably in yeah. these moments does not mean that we can't be the very solid parent the rock who actually says no that's not okay and actually we're not that's not acceptable and yeah. that's not you know and you cannot do this right now well, mm-hmm. I recommend always, yes, you can do this, but not, you know, later yes. or, you know, I basically reduce the no so that when you have a real no, yeah, then it, it really counts. Because yeah. what, what happens is, and you will see, I don't know if you'll, you'll notice a lot of people actually start the sentence with no, I'm surrounded. 90% of people say, <laughs> no, I totally agree. And so this yeah. comes from our childhood. <laughs> it's it's like literally yeah. we've been said no so often. It's yeah. like, yes, yes I yeah. agree. Yes, yes. Yeah. And so use the yeses <laughs> and reduce the no so that when you say no, there is mm-hmm. real because what what children will automatically go into defiance mode if yes. they hear their their parent go no you can't do that because they just they need control and so that's another actually sorry the fourth I'll go for a fourth is the <laughs> sense of agency yes because what's really what a lot of the anger of the children defiance comes is from a lack of sense of control and agency over lives because it's normal children don't have a lot of sense of agency yeah. but it is so important to help them develop the sense of agency. And mm-hmm. so that can be done through, and, and I've already given a few examples. So ask them questions, ask them what are supposed to do now? What are you yeah. going to do about this? Really help them become responsible for their life and their challenges mm-hmm. with you being there to guide them, but then yes. trying to find the solutions. Also limited choices for younger children. Always use choices instead of just telling them, you know, um, you know, this is it. It's like, oh, would you rather do this or that? Would you like to leave now mm-hmm. or in five minutes? I mean, I've, and and when I asked, so my my fourteen year olds, I've got a sixteen, fourteen, eleven, and I, the, the, one of my most proudest parenting moments was literally my daughter a, a week ago or two weeks ago. Um, I unfortunately still have to remind her to brush her teeth, but the way I do this is: Have you done everything you need to do before going to sleep? I don't say, "Have you brushed your teeth for the you know? And so she literally goes, "Oh, Dad, thanks. I, that reminds me, I have to brush my teeth." And I was so, I thought she was ironical because, uh, you know, no, no teen wants to be reminded. But I looked at I said, are you, are you joking? I said, no, thanks. Actually, I, I know I forget. Unfortunately, I forget often. So it is normal for a teen to forget to breast it. It's not their most, it's not their priority. They don't understand yeah. the prefrontal cortex is not developed enough to realize That's that they're right. going to have. You know, ugly teeth. Consequences, and, and, yes. And consequences, that's right. They're, not, that's, they're in their immediate, immediate, you know. Yeah, they're uh, in the limbic. Just, so, mm-hmm. so, exactly. So so it was so nice to hear that the relationship with my daughter is so good now that she actually Aww. appreciates me, you know, having, but but that comes from not telling her, don't forget to brush your teeth. 
And that yeah. seems like such a small difference, but it makes the world to them. So is the sense of agency asking a question so much more powerful than the reminder? And and we forget this, particularly when we've got teams, we just need, think we need to remind them all the time. So remember that, ask questions, because they've heard it over and over. So the more we repeat ourselves, the more they're going to shut us off and they're not going to really hear us anymore. Yeah. And so where and another final thing about that is, I always, you know, I've got all these amazing tools and this, and I feel like kids sometimes, I th I think, did they actually, did they get it? So I repeat myself and they go, they shut, they literally shut me off. And I think, oh shit, they're not listening to me. But then it comes back, you know, a week later, I see them doing something and, and seeing that they completely incorporated what they, what I had, you know, what they, I coached them to do. And therefore it's just trust is it a little more that actually what you're, what you've been teaching your children, it's going to come mm -hmm. out at some point. Unfortunately, maybe not when they're, younger teens but mm -hmm. gradually it, it, it does come so so yeah. let's not insist too much yeah. because uh, we have to trust them a bit more and realize that they're doing the best yeah. in every moment <laughs> yeah i i agree wholeheartedly and i would say i always call it the planting seeds method you're planting seeds not yeah. just for this moment right for the future so what you're doing now, you're going to reap the benefit of that. You all will in their later teen years or, or when they're younger in their earlier teen years. I mean, there's so much that we take for granted has to be that is actually unnecessary. And I think that the illumination of understanding that you're speaking to is just paramount. I mean, it's just paramount. I have a question for you. You know, you've worked with yes. renowned therapists and teachers. You've been in this for so many years. You've developed a company about it. You've delved into research to develop these programs in everything that you've experienced yourself, everything that you've learned, everything that you've done so far, what is to you the most surprising thing you've learned along the way so far? Wow. Love this question. The most surprising thing I've learned. Um, <laughs> it's going to sound, it's actually only recent. That's why it comes to me. I'm sure there are more surprises. Mm, but mm -hmm. but I'm going to share this one because it's come to me in the last couple of months and I'm just become fascinated. Mm -hmm. I call it the power of awe. Is mm -hmm. it is actually the realization that we, you know, we are younger as young children, we have total awe. We're discovering the world and we're in awe, we're in wonder. You know, everything's like seems so surprising. It's just wow, it's the world's beautiful. Everything's mm -hmm. incredible, everything's big. And everything's marvelous. And then as we grow, we've got, I don't know if, I mean, the concept of hedonic adaptation. So it's it, it, it kind of when we do say something regularly, we stop having as much, well, oh, as, as much interest in it. It becomes more normal. It becomes part. So our level of happiness basically becomes, um, so there's a threshold and we have to get to something else to do something different if we want to experience again happiness or or something good. So my my latest is really the realization that awe is really a big um one of the biggest motor to happiness and to feeling that we're so and this and what's incredible about awe is that it makes us feel a little small. So it's, it's not just a positive feeling, it's it's mostly positive. It's like wow, it's wonder, but it's also this feeling of feeling a bit small in this wider world that we're part of this much bigger thing. And mm. so and this all comes a lot from actually learning about nature, about re realizing what, you know, for example, realizing what's happening under the earth with, with, with all the, the mushrooms and, and the missile. So, so that there are, 
like billions of, of, of things that are communicating <laughs> under the earth. It, it's a thing how the bee actually is going to take the, so these small things about nature that are so extraordinary and we don't realize, we, we, and, 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 uh, and I'd love to keep kids connected to all a lot more and, and, and adults mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. And I think it would make this world a much <laughs> more beautiful space. It's basically looking for beauty everywhere because we'd be much more positive. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question, but it's really oh, yeah. like the most surprising, like really that surprise of we're letting go. I spoke about intuition as well. So, so many things we have as kids yeah. that we let go of because of the system. And so, and, and very much the system is very much about becoming versus being. And so yeah. one of my big themes in the, my upcoming book, uh, Be the Parent You Wish You Had, is very much about this inner child, uh, the, the personal development journey of, of, of reconnecting with our inner child. And I know we, we share this a lot <laughs> together, the two of us, is, yes. is this importance of once we reconnect with our inner child and this awe, this, this um, wonder and that uh, capacity to be vulnerable and to and to um, really kind of also play and fun and all of that. Even as parents, you know, we, we feel that we have to become responsible parents, but actually reconnecting with our inner child is so important and, our, and we, it helps us reconnect with our children yeah. a lot better. So it's it's this, and I would love to enable kids to keep that awe, that intuition, and all of that. And so that's why we bring a lot of right brain intelligence, so hard intelligence into the system, particularly in schools, to to learn to teach children to be, to really learn how to be and to accept themselves as they are now, and not just think about oh, when I become this a doctor, when I become this, I'm going to finally be happy. I'm going to when I make money, I'm finally going to be happy. No, no, it's like. Let's live that every part of the journey and be happy with every part of it and really excited. And, and as parents as well, let's mm-hmm. not wait. Oh, oh, when they're going to be sick, it's going to be so much easier. I've got, I just have to go through this phase. No, no, like being all of this child that's growing, and even if they're throwing a tantrum, mm-hmm. we'll just be there for them. But, but, but not, you know, it's, and that's the whole, I mean, other conversation, but how do you, how, how do you stay really? a rock to your children and 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 be there for them while not you know while shift, helping children shift their tantrums and all that so so there's a lot of techniques to do that mm-hmm. and mm. and and once we know them it's really it's when let's be in awe that that about children growing as they are at every moment and and enable them to keep to keep also that that owe themselves oh and can you imagine that world can you imagine yes. that world? Oh, oh, honey, I could talk to you forever in a day. I think we're going to have to do this again sometime. I mean, I oh, I just love it. Is there is there anything you didn't get a chance to share with us today that you think that we should know or that you feel inspired to before we wrap up? Uh, the only thing I want to add is, you know, let's, realize that small very small things can have such a big impact so what 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 really bothers me sometimes is when you hear parents who say oh i heard that uh you know i don't have actually so much influence over my children so it's a lot about nature i'm just like Mm. wow that's really (laughs) missing the point because one moment of nurture one small thing can make all the difference it doesn't mean be guilty feel guilty and ashamed of all the things that you did wrong no it's let go of the guilt and the shame but yes. really, like, really focus on these small moments of connections because that's what makes the difference to our kids' um, lives. Is and a lot of teens say, "Oh, I would have loved my parents to ask more questions." I'm talking kids who go through very big challenges sometimes, suicide, unfortunately. 
And they often say, I would have loved my parents to just be a bit more interested to ask me more questions because they think that I wasn't there. I mean, I wasn't interested because that's the way their teens react. But actually, the small conversation, the small vulnerability, the small connection makes all the difference in their lives. Oh, I agree wholeheartedly. Nadim, what an absolutely fabulous conversation. So inspiring. I I just so appreciate you. you being here with us today, sharing everything you did so generously. Thank you so much. And thank you for all that you are up to in the world. Wow. Thank you thank so you. much. You're such a beautiful person. I'm so, um, so love the conversation we have, and I hope we'll have more, a mm. lot more. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope it was useful. Mm, absolutely. All right, everyone. Thank you all for being here with us today, too. As always, I hope today's episode serves your highest possible good and really empowers you to explore the power of the happy, confident movement in your own life. Until next time, everyone, keep unlocking your own superpowers of the soul and put them to great use, building a life and a world you love. Bye for now, everyone.